Welcome to Head to Toe, stories from the history and future of healthcare. I've never seen anything like this from H1N1 to Ebola. I mean, I've, I've not experienced this. I know there's been a lot of bad stuff out there. You know, I've, I have felt scared and angry and hopeful and worried and, and eager to see the good that can come from this. Lift each other up because, uh, you know, we're doing great things and, and we need that support from each other. If we're going to be humanity's backbone, we got We have to, we just have to hold each other up. Educators across the globe that kind of came together on social media platforms and shared and collaborated and cheered each other on and cried when bad things happened together. And it was incredible. Hi there, listeners. I'm your podcast host, Marie McMillan. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm an ICU nurse, I'm a writer, and I've been sharing healthcare stories through head to toe for the last four years. Check out your podcast feed for lots of interviews with extraordinary stories, trending topics, and career profiles of healthcare professionals. This is the fourth of four episodes on the topic of COVID-19. Back in May 2020, I interviewed four professionals about their experiences on the front lines and their thoughts about the pandemic. Since it has been two months, things have changed by the time you hear this. Some things have improved, some things have worsened, depending on the time of day. Either way, wherever you are in the pandemic, healthcare professionals are finally being brought into the international media spotlight. So I'm glad to bring you this conversation with Jennifer Wallace, a nurse educator in Boston, Massachusetts. Please enjoy. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I am a nurse educator. So I teach in a small two-year program in the Boston area. And my specialty is maternal newborn health. And I have a background Uh, As a practicing nurse in newborn ICU setting, I was a visiting nurse in the Boston area for uh, a while. Um, I've been childbirth ed. Most recently, like the last 20 years, I have been uh, working in a local community hospital on a postpartum unit and special care nursery where I still maintain uh, per diem status. And I came to full-time teaching four years ago. So is that the type of nursing that you've always done is maternal, newborn kind of stuff? It is. I have been all about moms and babies for my entire career. I was an LPN prior to going into uh, my BSN program. And I, as an LPN, I had a very short stint. It might have been two weeks in long-term care. And I quickly realized, yeah, this isn't thing into my strength. So I, uh, once I kind of found my niche in mother baby nursing i haven't looked back since um where does covid19 sort of fall in as far as things you've seen affect your subset of of medical care well i can't so much speak i can speak academically about and anecdotally keeping in uh, close contact with colleagues and keeping up the literature and you know going on social media as far as cdc recommendations around inpatient care of moms and babies. And, uh, but my current, in my current role, I, as a nurse educator, I'm in the classroom and then I'm taking students to the hospital. And as of mid-March, when we moved to online instruction and all of the hospitals stopped taking any clinical groups, I haven't been in the hospital 
since. So the last time I was actually in the hospital caring for patients was probably February. So my focus is really supporting the students. Although I, I have been, uh, I, this past weekend, I was involved in something super interesting. I did virtual nurse hackathon. So I belong to an organization um, called SANCL, the Society of Nurse Scientists, uh, Entrepreneurs, uh, and Leaders. And uh, we hosted a virtual, it was called Nurse Hack for Health. Are you saying are you saying hack like H A C K hackathon? A hackathon, yeah. Oh, interesting. And it it uh, usually hackathons happen on site, like face to face, and this hackathon happened online. It was sponsored by Johnson and Johnson and uh, Microsoft and Sonciel, and it brought together across the globe more than. There were 900 people registered, but there were 500 people participating. Nurses, software engineers, developers, super interesting. So we came together online over a whole weekend and hacked and looked at solving or proposing solutions to healthcare-related problems in the context of COVID. So my team looked at women. It was a, a small team of nurses, all with a maternal child health background. We all kind of came together organically on the site. We didn't know each other beforehand. And we hacked all weekend on a solution to support women's mental health after childbirth under quarantine conditions. Super interesting stuff. Super important too. I mean, I, I had a baby 10 months ago and I've had, I have friends who had a baby three months ago. Um, my babysitter downstairs of my house right now is eight months pregnant. And we're just like, all of my friends talk about how isolating in general new motherhood is, but to talk about having a baby and coming home and then being under quarantine, it's just adds an, a whole nother layer to it. So I can relate to that on a personal level, a professional level. So what did you guys, what did you guys come up with? What, what were the, how did the hack evolve? What were the solutions you came up with? Well, um, we ultimately came up with a solution that uh, used technology to reach out to new moms within the first two weeks after delivery to assess their kind of mental health and well-being. And based on their responses, our solution would be a text, text device they we would kind of offer resources and uh, around mental health, whether that was peer mom support group, whether it was a vir- virtual like support group, whether it was a referral to telemedicine or mental health services. So it was uh, it was very cool to think about. And at the end of the hackathon, much like Shark Tank, teams had to pitch their ideas. So that was super cool. I had never done anything like that before. But there is a lot of work. There's a lot of work being done in nursing and outside of nursing during this pandemic around supporting um, women's mental health after birth. So your personal interaction with the novel coronavirus has been from afar. It's more about the the systemic and societal fallout of not having nursing students at their clinical sites and not being able to educate in person. So let's transition a little bit and talk about how COVID-19 has had an impact on your on your work with students. A tremendous, tremendous impact on my work with students. So as I said at the beginning of our conversation, in 
mid-March when schools all across state went remote and closed their campuses. Ours did also. So we were charged, my faculty colleagues and I were charged with moving all of our content, which had been almost universally designed to be delivered in the classroom Mm -hmm. face-to-face. Now we were charged with literally overnight moving it to an online format. Um, And this included the students' clinical experiences because they were in the middle of a semester, so they they still had clinical hours that they had to um, meet in order to, you know, meet the requirements of the course. So it was really exciting. It was really challenging. It was really exhausting. But that was probably the biggest impact for me personally, uh, professionally. I've talked with a lot of students who, you know, they're senior practicum and they're just, I feel for them because a lot of them have graduated and then it's been hard for them to sit for their state exam. It's been difficult for them to, you know, even interview for any jobs because most of the hospitals have gone on hiring freezes. For those students who are new graduates or finishing up school, it's it's a tough place to be in. It is. And we had a lot of discussions um, through the semester, my faculty colleagues and I did, around our concerns for students. And we had many concerns, but our two primary concerns um, were that our, I teach in a two-year program, which Uh, the demographics of our program are adult learners. So students come to our program as second career, second career students, first generation, English not um, their primary language. Uh, It's very diverse. And they are, many of them are breadwinners coming back to nursing school to try to give themselves and their families a better life. Most of the students work clinically as either medical assistants or aides in inpatient settings, ICUs, group homes, you know, a variety of settings, but they're all working. And I teach in an evening weekend program. Mm -hmm. So many of my students work full time Mm -hmm. anyway, Mm -hmm. um, which Mm -hmm. isn't a great thing, but, you know, Boston area is an expensive place to live and students do what they have to do. And our students, many of them were working on the front line. Their work hours were upended. They were switched around. Mm-hmm. So in addition to having to work many more in varied shifts, they had now heightened worries about themselves getting sick, bringing home the virus to their families. Many of them had um, babies and very young children, some of them caring for elderly family members in their homes or living in very small apartments where it was really kind of impossible to isolate yourself. So they brought that to their learning experience, in addition to trying to adjust to doing everything online Mm -hmm. and the whole technology challenge for some students Mm -hmm. who either didn't have access to broadband, had never, as many of us, had never used Zoom. We were now doing our testing at home, Mm -hmm. remote, which was a whole other uh, layer of planning and project. So that was our first concern was how can we best support them? And I personally was very interested and kind of distressed about some of the decisions that states made that you had mentioned seniors you had talked to, graduating students. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In some states, those students were allowed under these emergency circumstances 
to leave school and to practice and to, to get hired into the role and the scope of practice as a registered nurse prior to taking their board, their NCLEX exam. Into an, and so our concern was they're going into a practice environment that we know is chaotic. You know, what kind of resources are going to be there for them as far as orientation and support mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. guidance? And so we were really proud of our students that graduated and are kind of out in the world, but did have a lot of concerns about the environment they were going into. For sure. I mean, the transition itself is not easy. And I think... Over the last five to 10 years, at least um, in the U.S., the transition from school to workplace has has gotten better with a lot of new grad residencies, like formal nursing residencies that were designed for that transition. And I know a lot of them are expensive for a lot of hospital systems. So to see them just kind of cut them short and to you know try to take a shortcut, like you said, is is going backwards and just throwing someone out on the floor after three shifts of shadowing a, an experienced nurse and being like, you know where everything is, right? <laughs> there you go. Call us if you need help. Like, yeah, it's, it's not safe, but I, I understand we're under dire circumstances too. And, you know, sometimes administration on a, on a broad level looks at, but we need bodies that, that know, you know, the mm-hmm. skill set to do X, Y, Z. It's hard. It's a hard place for everyone to be in because it is not ideal. Like you said, learning environments and it's up yeah. to the individuals a lot, I think, and to finding, you know, quickly developing mentorships and quickly developing their own independence, not just with their skill set, but with their own, you know, (laughs) mental toughness that has to come with nursing in general, but also under a global pandemic sort of circumstance as well. So that's that's got to be challenging for you as an educator to to know all of those things and know all of those challenges each of those new grads face. And then the specialty, like the, the special subset of your students having, you know, a lot of them already working in the healthcare field and going back to get the credentials to to support their income and their BSNs, their MSNs, you know, what have you to um to get their, you know, RN license if they didn't have it in the first place. It's you know, it's just they're doing what they can to to, to do by them and their families and this is just thrown a hamper on everything in general. But, mm. but yeah. Yeah. I I have sort of a philosophical question for you. What are your beliefs about nursing education as far as and being an in-person, hands-on learning experience versus a classroom, technical, language sort of education versus a virtual support. Like in an ideal world, pandemic or no pandemic, how would you educate nursing students today? Well, I think that, you know, being someone who's very interested in nursing innovation and innovation in general often happens when there's been a disruption. And man, this has totally been a disruption. So when I think about what I would like to hold on to, which kind of is tied to philosophically how I feel like, philosophically what I believe would be a great model, I would really like to hold on to the flexibility and the adaptability in the, that, that we've been able to create for our students and for ourselves prior to this whole time, nursing education has historically been professor at the front of the classroom for the PowerPoint, sometimes going on for many hours, teaching to very passively, you know, a, a group of students in neat little rows and very traditional clinical experiences in the hospital in small groups. And what we have experienced is like a, a total swing in this crisis management 
we had to literally kind of throw everything online as best as we could in a crisis management way and just kind of support the students through it. But what we discovered was that there's a whole community of nurse educators across the globe that kind of came together on social media platforms and shared and collaborated and cheered each other on and cried when bad things happened together. And it was incredible. I mean, historically in nursing education, maybe in education in general, we've been very proprietary and very much in our own silo. And this pandemic just split that wide open. Um, and I, I hope that we can hold on to that because that was an important piece. Also, what we experienced was that Because our students had easier access to us than traditional office hours, you know, beginning at a certain time, ending at a certain time in a face-to-face office that was immobile, our students had access to us in the evening when they got home from work or in the morning, you know, before they got their kids set up with homeschooling. And we really bent over backwards to be flexible with our own schedules so we could meet their needs. And I really hope that continues. Does that answer your question? So, I, no, philosophically, you asked me about which model. I think that in an ideal world, a model that was hybrid, a model where students could come to either a clinical facility like a hospital or a place in the community, a lab, a simulation lab, virtual simulation and simulation in general is huge now. It's something that we're all looking at and figuring out how we can integrate it into our curriculum. And so that hands-on that's so important for student nurses to get, I'd like to be able to create a model where they get that, but also have the flexibility and adaptability of online learning. Yeah, no, you answered my question, but I think you brought up a great point too. I am also encouraged by I like the the phrase you said, it, the chasm was split wide open, where you felt like, you know, nurse educators were somewhat isolated across the country and across the blo- globe and having everyone be at home and, you know, have access to, you know, moderately okay Wi-Fi, you know, has really brought a lot of people together online in a way that never happened before. I, I see that on the, on the clinical level of, you know, ICU nurses across the country sharing things like, these are the headbands we decided so our ears don't fall apart after, you know, 12 hours of wearing an N95. And we've, you know, the IV pumps outside of the ICU room and how to run them through extension tubing and just things to like help save each other. It's like, I I think I said to somebody that like uh, the internet and Instagram has become like the national unit practice council, (laughs) which is, yeah, yeah, I imagine that applies to the nursing educators as well. What are your takeaways, personal, professional or otherwise from the pandemic? Let's see. I could tie it up in a neat little bow. I think that. I feel like human connection is really important to me in my personal life and in my professional life. And although there are so many things that I am missing, I'm a reflexive hugger. I'm very physical. That's been really hard. But I, my takeaway has been that in my personal and my professional life, we have been able to kind of build community and continue relationships and that I feel really heartened that we'll be able to continue that as a society, whether that's 
you know, virtual, a virtual mom's group for those women who just had a baby, whether it's a virtual community of ICU nurses or a virtual community of nurse educators. I think that we all need to feel like we're safe and we belong and we have a place and we have our people and our tribe. And I think that technology is going to be able to give us that. Probably I'll very much miss hugging everyone I know for a while, but I think that this is uh, something to stay, these online communities. Yeah, that was really nice, neat little bow. I like the way you put that. And I and I hope you are right. And I, I think I think you are right. And I think that's hopefully the way the world is going and we can really look at the silver linings. So thanks so much for sharing all your thoughts. Jennifer Wallace, a nurse educator in Boston, Massachusetts area. And yeah. and thank you so much. And I hope all is well with you and your baby and your you know, your family through this whole thing. I wish you well. Yeah. Yeah. Things are going good. Um, he's, uh, he's growing and, you know, he, it, he doesn't know any better. I feel for my colleagues who have small school aged children. And like you said, had to do homeschool overnight, you know, the baby world hasn't changed too much. I mean, we didn't go a whole lot of places before, you know, but, you know <laughs> so, I mean, he just knows what he knows. Right. But, but yeah, for us, like my, um, going to and from the hospital routine, like the disinfecting routine has changed quite a bit. I'm proudly still pumping at work at 10 months. So oh, that's, good. Um, I know it's such work, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's been a process to like disinfect the pump and like you know all the parts and like in between, it's a lot of changing and in and out and stuff. But it's yeah. been good. We're healthy and we haven't seen huge volumes over here in the Portland, Oregon area where I live. Thankfully, things are really well shut down here as far as societal restrictions go. But thanks for so much for connecting and staying in touch. And maybe we can do some more conversations in the future about nursing education. I'm really interested in what future models nursing education kind of goes to. I think you're in a, a, a very unique position as far as um, teaching stu- both like traditional university students, but then also like the weekend crew of pe- of professionals who are currently working. Um, I think that's a subset of America that people don't know about a lot like out there, like listeners of my podcast. I mean, like, you know, doctors and respiratory therapists and otherwise. But yeah, they don't know a whole lot about that there are people out there that work, but then also go back to nursing school. Yeah. And in fact, that's the trend. That's yeah. really the trend. And as we work towards nursing leaders and professional groups are calling for the diversification of nursing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're predominantly white. We're predominantly women. We're aging rapidly. Mm-hmm. And with social determinants of health and you know what we know about uh, how to keep people healthy and prevent disease, we need more. We need nurses who look like the patients that we're caring for. Absolutely. And, and they're we use the term kind of non-traditional students, like the literature for non-traditional students in reference to my students, but really they make up the majority of students going to college in higher ed these days are mm-hmm. older students who are diverse. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it's definitely a trend. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well put. Well, I'm going to leave it there. Jennifer Wallace, thank you so much. I wish you and your family uh, good health and good mental health and safety and all those good things. And thanks so much for taking the time today to talk with me about COVID and how it's affected your life. If listeners want to get in touch with you, how would they do that if that's okay with you? Oh, sure. Well, I'm on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably the best way. I'm uh, Jennifer Wallace. I'm honored enough to get messages and connect with people on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is great. And I want to say, Marie, I just think that it is so 
cool what you're doing. Like, I think that nurses who are writers and artists and singers and dancers and computer engineers and all the other wonderful things that nurses can do, that's the whole mission of Sanciel is helping to elevate the status of nursing and also to show nurses that we can bring our whole selves to our practice. So thank you for thank you for doing this podcast. Very cool. And for your writing. Oh, thank you so much. Bringing your whole self to nurse. I wrote that down. I'm going to take that with me on my next show. Thank you so much. I'm like getting a little dairy here. That's good. Thanks so much. This is just one piece of the pandemic pie. This is just one person's angle on coronavirus. I hope you benefited from their story as I have, and I hope you think about your own place in this uncertain and changing healthcare landscape and what your takeaways are so far. As always, you can get in touch with me at macmillanpages at gmail.com. Find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and all of my creative work at mariemacmillan.com. Thank you to my four amazing podcast show guests. Be sure to check out the other coronavirus episodes in your podcast feed, COVID takeaways parts one, two, three, and four, and check the show notes for links to all the things we talked about. Thank you to Shannon Smith for help with editing, and thank you listeners for your support. That's all for now. Until next time, take care. Thank you.